Let's pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, Lord, be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, during this season after Epiphany, we are spending an extended time looking at the mission and the ministry of Jesus. Remember now in Advent, all the way back in late November, we began to long for the coming of Jesus. We longed for His coming. Then at Christmas, we celebrated that coming, right? And now in Epiphany, they're all connected. In Epiphany, we figure out, okay, what do we do with the fact that He's come now? We long for Jesus' coming. We celebrate His coming, and now in Epiphany, we look at what He's doing here on earth, His mission, His ministry. You could put it this way. In Epiphany, the church turns her attention from the manger of Jesus to the mission of Jesus, from the manger of Jesus to the mission of Jesus. Um, Particularly over the last few weeks, The lectionary readings have invited us to see something particular about Jesus' mission, and that is this. It is very inclusive. Now, inclusive is a political buzzword these days, right? Here's what I mean by inclusive. The gospel of Jesus Christ is presented not just to a select few people, but in fact to anyone in all the world who will acknowledge Jesus to be the Savior and the King. That's His inclusive mission. It's beautiful. Now, especially in the Gospel of Luke, that's what we've been using in Sunday morning worship, especially in the Gospel of Luke, we find out that this gospel story comes to everybody, and I mean everybody. Luke loves outsiders. Um, He is writing to an outsider named Theophilus. By outsider, I mean Theophilus is a Gentile. He's not in the in crowd. So Gentiles were reading Luke's gospel. And Luke, um, he opens up with a prophet who is like this rogue, tattooed, veganed out guy named John the Baptist. I mean, of all people to come announce the coming of the Jewish Messiah, why would you choose this guy, right? He's an outsider. Then Luke keeps going. As it turns out, God's big presentation of His Messiah is going to come through another outsider, in fact, a teenage, unwed, pregnant girl. That's an outsider. That's a scandal. Okay, but there's more. Because when God decides to announce that He's going to do all these crazy things in an outsider way, He announces it to, in Luke's gospel, a bunch of blue-collar workers who are currently on the job in the field. Outsiders. Shepherds were just, they were kind of dirty guys, you know. Uh, someone this week, I think our Wednesday night class, the, um, the presentation from Emmaus Bible Ministries on Wednesday, we're talking about Bible study on, uh, in the evenings. He called, uh, he called shepherds the truck drivers of Gentiles, you know. 
I love that. Luke loves to talk about bringing the gospel to outsiders. He wants us to know that the mission of this Jewish Messiah included everybody, not just Israel. Um, And this is our theme for today from Luke chapter 4. We'll call this the wideness of God's mercy, right? We sing that in Faber's hymn. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in His justice more than liberty. Today, I want us to reflect on the wideness of the mercy of God, and I want us to see that it will do two things. The wideness of the mercy of God first, it always comforts the outsider. And second, and this is just as important, the wideness of the mercy of God actually disrupts the insiders. So if you're taking notes, here's the whole kit and caboodle in one sentence. The gospel of Jesus Christ comforts the outsider, disrupts the insider, so that everybody might know the wideness of God's mercy. So that everybody might know the wideness of God's mercy. First, the gospel comforts the outsiders. There's a, a man named Ray, Ray Martinez. He, um, he grew up for a time in an orphanage along with a number of other children. And as Ray remembers it, uh, he, on one particular weekend, he, um, he went home with a family only to be, to be returned on Monday. And as he walked on the steps of the orphanage, Ray remembers thinking to himself, I will never leave this orphanage again. In a sense, he was saying, for as much as an orphanage is a place for kids who don't belong, this is the only place where I belong. That's what Ray was thinking to himself. I think it was age five, Ray actually was adopted And when the family came to pick him up, his new mom and dad um, sort of took him around to his house, and they said, Ray, this is your house. Ray, these are your clothes. Ray, these are your toys. Ray had never belonged to anyone, and nothing had ever belonged to Ray. This was a brand new, mind-blowing experience for this orphan, now adopted child. Ray found out later um, how much he meant to his parents inadvertently. One day he was going through his mom's cedar chest after she passed away, and he found a stuffed animal and a hat, which are the two possessions that his new parents gave him right when he walked through the front door of his new house, his first two possessions, his two signs of belonging. Isn't that beautiful? She kept him all those years. Oh, the joy and meaning of belonging to someone, belonging to a family. It is what every human being wants. And it is, I would suggest to you, exactly how the readers of Luke's gospel felt when they came across this story about Jesus 
giving a sermon to a bunch of insiders at his hometown, in his hometown synagogue. And, and suddenly Jesus tells these insiders, seemingly out of nowhere, because they really like him at the beginning of his sermon, right? He starts to tell the insiders about how God in the First Testament, Yahweh overlooked his own people to make outsiders feel welcomed, to let them know he was the God of everyone and not just Israel. Did you see that? That's what the two stories that Jesus tells, that's what they're all about in verses 25, 26, 27 and following. Jesus starts with a story from the book of 1 Kings about about a widow who lives outside of the camp. She's a Phoenician. She's not an Israelite. And even though there were a bunch of widows who needed God's help during this drought, Yahweh took his prophet to her house and then he blessed them. He's telling this to a group of Jewish insiders. But Luke's readers, Theophilus, remember, Gentiles? How must they have felt to hear that God looks out for outsiders? And then, like a crazy preacher, Jesus just keeps going, digging a hole for himself. He tells another story about an outsider, a Gentile, a Syrian named Naaman, who was a leper, and God, Yahweh, heals him. There were plenty of sick people in Israel. Why couldn't Yahweh have healed them? Because Jesus is making the point to his insider crowd, God cares for outsiders. I have a feeling, by the way, that Jesus was going to be getting a lot of comment cards for this sermon. Um, In a congregation like this, I would imagine that there are some, if not many of us here right now, who feel actually a lot like Ray, like Luke's readers. We don't feel like the Nazareth Synagogue. Uh, We feel like we don't belong socially. We feel like we don't belong culturally. You know, we didn't grow up Episcopalians or whatnot. Maybe because of our past, you know, or something from this past weekend. Morally or spiritually, we don't feel like we belong in a church. This is the last place we think we belong. Can I speak directly to you, brother or sister, who feels as though you don't belong? Listen to the good news of Jesus Christ this morning from Luke chapter 4 because it's for you. God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Yahweh says this to you, welcome. You belong here. He says, I am the God who goes out of my way in my son Jesus Christ, overlooking even my own people at times, to make room for you, especially you, outsider. In a very moving way, I experienced this a few years ago when I visited a Coptic Orthodox church. Uh, I was, of course, the outsider. I was the only white guy in the room. Most Coptic Christians are uh, Egyptian, Middle Eastern descent. And in fact, the liturgy was mostly in Arabic. Talk about extreme other in our current political milieu, huh? Hearing the Christian liturgy in Arabic from the ears of a white guy. As the liturgy continued, I saw the priest 
uh, motioned to me and then motioned to someone uh, on the front row, and I got a little bit scared, like, oh, what's going to happen now, you know? You never want to be picked out in a liturgy. That's, that's not a good thing. In the next few minutes, a young Egyptian American woman came over and sat beside me. And word for word, she interpreted the rest of the service to me so that I could participate in their liturgy, so that I could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is always to be told to outsiders, even white guys. These Coptic brothers and sisters pursued me like Yahweh pursued Naaman and Yahweh pursued the widow, the Phoenician widow. These people pursued me, the outsider, and welcomed me. Listen, people of God, the reason that we can don this posture of welcome with open arms to all outsiders into this community is because all of us, in one way or the other, were outsiders in our sin, and God has brought us in through Jesus Christ. The gospel, the wideness of the gospel means that we outsiders are comforted. Here's the second thing it, second thing it means. The gospel disrupts insider crowds. The gospel won't allow for insider clubs, and this is really good news. Remember in J.R. Tolkien's series, The Lord of the Rings, the books or the, the movies, whichever you've read or seen, there's the character of Gollum. Remember Gollum? He's a little creature. He looks like, kind of like a little monster. Um, he's not supposed to look like a monster. He's actually a normal-looking hobbit, as normal as hobbits look. They don't look that normal. But Gollum, over the centuries, has become this twisted, contorted, turned in upon himself, shriveled little being because he's been petting his precious possession, right? My precious. Remember that? My precious. The wideness of the gospel of Jesus Christ disrupts our insider crowd because we, all humans, maybe especially churches, I don't know, maybe especially Episcopal churches, I don't know, we have a tendency to become like Gollum. We take this gift that God has given us of belonging and we nurture it, and we pet it, and we don't share it, and we shrivel. And as Jean Vanier, the creator of La Arche Ministries, a ministry who brings in mentally handicapped people, and they exist all over the world, Jean Vanier would say, we do this, and we do it to our own demise, because any community, any community who does not share its belonging will destroy itself. It goes against the nature of being a community. So the gospel disrupts insider crowds. Now, here we examine Jesus' audience because this is his audience. These are hometown Jews from Nazareth, and their hometown boy has come back to preach in their church. And not only that, but by now they know he's a miracle worker. So they're expecting big things. It's like if in the cathedral, one of us won the lottery, and then the next Sunday shows back up to church. What are you thinking? I mean, I'm thinking, hey, are you going to fix our roof? You know, like, what are you going to do for us, you know? 
So Jesus, miracle worker, comes back to his hometown. They know he's a, an important rabbi. And you could read it. Luke chapter 4, verse 22. All spoke well of him, it says. And they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, isn't this Joseph's son who just won the lottery? And he, he can do all this cool stuff. As in, in a sense, what's he going to do for us? What's he going to do for us? Um, of course, you know how the story ends. Luke says they were filled with rage. This sermon went from bad to worse because this preacher was literally run out of the church and almost killed. That, my friends, is an ingrown community. That's an insider club that refuses to be disrupted by the wideness of the mercy of God. So let's apply this to us. Cathedral Church of St. Luke, as we enjoy weekly each other in worship, as we enjoy fellowship, dinners on Wednesday nights, breakfast on some Sundays, we enjoy guilds, we enjoy all, all things Anglo-Catholicism, right? This is like the stuff that makes us us, and they're all really good things. May these good things never eclipse the wideness of the mercy of God. Let's put it into a prayer. Lord, should we ever become so nearsighted as a community that outsiders are no longer welcomed or don't know what to do in the liturgy, or you can extrapolate. God, please disrupt us because, God, that would be a mercy to us. We don't want to be an insider club. Can I just say, in five months of being on staff here, I've just been blown away by the parishioners and how they welcome outsiders. I'm thinking of uh, the blankets that were purchased for the homeless. They were piled up on a table and then every single one was bought. I'm thinking of all the volunteers I saw one Thursday from the cathedral at iDignity who figure out ways to help men, women, and children get IDs so that they can just for God's sake, continue with their lives and maybe stay out of jail and find something to eat. And these were our people at iDignity volunteering, welcoming outsiders. I'm thinking of the soup cans and non-perishable food items right now sitting in the Broncos bucket and the Panthers bucket and the I don't care, I just watch commercials bucket in the Great Hall. I really have the sense that in our midst, in our midst, there are many in this room who knew what it was like to be an outsider who has been brought in by Jesus Christ and just lavished with love, like Ray, just like Ray. There's a wideness in God's mercy, Faber writes, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in His justice which is more than liberty, where the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. This is the wideness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come 
within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we reaching forth our hands in love may bring those who don't know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. And I add, Father, for the good of this church. Amen.